everybody, I'm Marilyn Bills. I'm the Director of Worship Arts. We have missed you being in this room during worship on Sunday mornings, but we have been so excited that we have been able to join you in your living rooms to worship online. While you've been away physically, we have been making some improvements in this room. Hopefully you have seen some of them over the last couple months. We've been redoing the stage. But the biggest redo you haven't been able to see because it's our tech booth. Hopefully you've heard some of the differences over the last month or so. But I want to take you for a little tour of our new tech booth and introduce you to our tech staff. And they have some things that they would like to share with you. Welcome to our brand new tech booth. This is where the magic happens that allows you to see our worship services on Sunday morning. First at this first station is Reagan. She is our visual tech coordinator, and this is where the camera operator sits, which is all kind of a scary looking position. We'll talk about this in just a minute. Next to Reagan is Meredith Nealon. She's sitting behind the computer. This allows you to see the lyrics on your screen on Sunday morning. And then all the way back there is Frank. He is behind the audio tech board. This is one of two audio stations that allows you to hear everything that you hear on Sunday. Hi, my name is Reagan Germain. I'm the visual tech coordinator here at Hope Church. I am so excited to be here. Uh, part of my position is working alongside our tech directors and working mainly with the cameras and lighting design here. I've been doing work in tech for almost 10 years now. It's been a, a really great time and I'm so excited to be working with you guys. My name is Meredith Neeland and I've been attending Hope since I was six years old, actually the first service that we ever had back in the school days. Um, but I actually started volunteering with computer tech uh, when I was in high school, which was actually when we first started projecting lyrics onto the screen. I mean, can you believe that there was actually a time that we had to read lyrics on a piece of paper? Hi, I'm Frank Apello, and I've been uh, serving here for about 10 years now, whether it's on the audio board or playing in worship. And now my new role here is as tech director, which means that uh, I'm supposed to be in charge of the, the two people you may have just met. And I'm not really, they're running the show and I'm just going, great job. Um, my focus is honestly on the soundboard and running audio and teaching uh, new techs how to run sound, and we'd love to have you as part of our worship team. So here we change cameras, we adjust per band member, per band group, and for the pastors as well. So this here moves the cameras, as you can see, it'll move us here. Right here is how we can switch our cameras into different views. Over here, this is how we switch them into program. So this is what the team will see back at home. It's really simple and you have a whole team behind you to help out. You get plenty of practice and everyone is with you every step of the way. So we called ourselves clickers back in the day because it's really as simple as tapping an arrow key. Um, there are a little more complicated things like editing slides, but that's what we as staff are here for. And we're gonna train you um, on how to do those things so that you are an expert clicker like the rest of us. We have our live stream broadcast, which is in a separate room. Um, we actually transformed one of the previous offices to a broadcast room. And this board here is our front of house board, which means that um, when people are finally back in the room, this is what they will hear uh, you mixing from. It is not as hard as it looks. Um, all you need is a, well, a, a heart to serve God and maybe a, a little bit of a musical ear. 
So this is Hope's Tech Ministry. Without the people in this tech booth, you would not be able to hear or see worship on Sunday morning. That's how important this is. The people who serve back here are awesome servants, but they're people just like you. And we are looking for more people to serve in this tech, tech booth ministry. So if you think that working cameras or the, the computer or the audio board would be something that you would like to try, contact Reagan at Meet Hope or Meredith at Meet Hope or Frank at MeetHope.org, and they would be happy to help train you up and bring you into the, one of the teams in our tech ministry. We hope to see you soon. Hope to see you soon. So as good as that team is, um, they can't make me look any better than I do, but we are so grateful for them. Today's Palm Sunday, where we remember Jesus' triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. And it's the beginning of Holy Week. And so it's that time where we remember all that happened during that uh, week in Jesus' life, from the uh, Last Supper to his crucifixion on the cross, and then, of course, on Easter Sunday morning, when he was resurrected from the dead. Here at Hope, we're in the midst of a series that we're calling Forget You, Less About Us, More About Him. And really what we're looking at is how we can make Christ, Jesus, more central in our lives. You know, we talk about this idea of conforming to the image or being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That work of conforming is the inner work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And it's literally a reforming of our character into the character of Christ. It's not about changing our personality, it's not even about changing our behaviors, although as our character is being reformed, those things will be affected naturally, right? So when I talk about character, what we mean by character is it, it's kind of like the operating system of a computer. So the operating of a, uh, system of a computer is that software that tells everything in the computer how it's supposed to work and, and how it functions uh, integrated to the other parts and so forth. That's kind of what the human character is like. It's that system within us, that operating system within us that guides everything that we do, all that we think and how we process, how we speak, how we act and react toward others, our behaviors, all of that is controlled through our character. And that's why it's so vitally important. You know, one of my roles as lead pastor here is to hire staff. And so that was a new thing for me back in the early days and trying to figure out what do I look for when trying to hire staff. And it's, for me, it's come down to four key elements that I'm looking for. One of those elements is competence. Does the person have the skill set to do the things that we need to do? The next one would be um, chemistry. Does the person, the way they act and react and so forth, does it uh, fit with the culture of this place? The next one is courage, because we're a church that is willing to 
change and to take some risks when we feel that the Spirit is calling us to do that, and so it takes a certain amount of courage uh, to take those kinds of risks, so I look for courage. But as important as all of those things are, the most important is character. Does this person's character show that they are maturing in their faith? Because apart from that, nothing else is gonna matter much. By way of example, you may remember the uh, name Bernie Madoff. Remember Bernie Madoff? So this was the guy who, um, he started the biggest Ponzi scheme in our nation's history. He built billions of dollars from his clients in this huge Ponzi scheme. Now, Bernie Madoff was a guy who was highly competent in, uh, in the financial world. He was a guy who built a big company and people wanted to work there, so there was a chemistry. He was a risk taker and so, you know, there was courage involved in there. But that whole thing was built on his flawed character. Bernie Madoff was a guy who had dark secrets. He was a guy who had larceny and thievery in his character. And so the whole thing collapsed because of his character. So the Spirit's work within us is reforming our character to make us more and more like Christ. So this morning, I want to focus on one central aspect of Jesus' character. So there's a number of aspects in our character, but I want to focus on this one, and I call it a central focus or area of Jesus' character, and that is humility. Humility. The humility of Jesus was certainly on display on that first Palm Sunday, that triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So word had spread throughout the city of Jerusalem that Jesus was going to be coming into the city. People were very excited about Jesus. This was three years into his ministry. He was well known throughout the area. People knew of him. They had either seen him or heard him or watched him. Um, heard tell of him, and so people were very excited. They were beginning to believe that maybe he was the one who was going to come and deliver them from the Roman government and so forth, so there was a lot of excitement, and people lined the streets of Jerusalem, thousands and thousands of people in expectation of Jesus coming, and so into the city he comes, but not on a great white steed, but on a donkey, on a donkey. It would be like a president having a ticker tape parade in his honor and showing up in a Ford Pinto. It was totally unexpected. It was out of character for what people would have expected from somebody of his prestige. We can see even clearer the character of Jesus and his humility in the Last Supper, the story of the Last Supper that we read about in the Gospel of John. So in this story, uh, Jesus and his disciples have gathered for the Passover meal. 
And I can just imagine that evening as those disciples are just abuzz about everything that they had seen as they entered into Jerusalem and the crowds and the excitement and the cheers that went on. And so as they're getting ready for this Passover meal, they're just, you know, they're talking about what they saw and what they heard and conversations that they had and so forth. And they were really excited, I'm sure. And then as they sat down for this meal, Jesus got up and he went over to a table, probably in a corner, took off his outer garment, wrapped himself in a towel, and took a pitcher of water and poured it into a basin. This is what John says in the 13th chapter about what took place. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that he had wrapped around him. I want you to just stop for a moment and think about that scene. Jesus is a rock star, right? I mean, when we think of a rock star, that's what Jesus was. Everywhere he went, crowds were around him. People traveled for miles just to see him, to touch him, to hear him. They had just had a ticker tape parade in his honor. Oh, and by the way, he is literally God in human flesh. And now he's washing feet? Are you kidding me? Have you ever done that? Have you ever washed somebody's feet? I'm not talking about a baby or a child. I'm talking about an adult. You know, I've been to some retreats and so forth where foot washing was part of the deal, and um, it, it ain't pleasant. <laughs> it's not something that you would necessarily choose to do, right? That's what's going on here. Watching Jesus wash their feet. And if you think that it was lost on folks, Listen to Peter's response to Jesus as Jesus comes to wash his feet. Again, this is in John 13. It says this, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never wash my feet. Peter couldn't fathom, he couldn't comprehend the humility of Jesus. And implied in what Peter is saying here is, Lord, this act that you are doing is beneath you. You shouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't do it, is implied in this as well. That people who wash feet, Jesus, are beneath you, and really, Jesus, they're beneath me. But the character of Jesus is on display. His humility. And in his instruction, after he had washed their feet, 
He'd put back on his robe, return to his place at the table. This is what Jesus said to them. You call me teacher and Lord, and that's who I am. So if I, your teacher and your Lord, would do this for you, you should do this for each other. You know, when I think about Jesus' humility, this is how I would describe it. That Jesus understood that God is superior to all and all are equal to each other. God is superior to all and all are equal to each other. I want to think about that for just a second, right? Jesus recognizing that God is superior. After the final supper, you'll remember they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And there in the garden, Jesus left his disciples and went to pray by himself. And in that prayer, he was pleading with God, let this cup pass from me. Let this cup pass from me. But then he ended that prayer, remember? But not my will, but yours be done. God is superior to all. There's practical implications for this in our lives, right? My job, my education, my income, my gender doesn't make me superior or inferior to anyone. Your job, your income, none of that makes you inferior or superior to anyone. The Apostle Paul, in reflecting on this new covenant that Jesus brought in and the new realities that come with this new covenant, said this, that because of Jesus, there is no longer slave or free, Jew or Gentile, male or female. We are all one in Christ. See, authentic humility is central to Jesus' character. He fully surrendered to God was fully surrendered to God, and he treated everyone that he met with kindness and compassion and love because he understood that all were equal, all were des uh, deserving. You know, the only people that Jesus had issues with during his earthly ministry were people who lacked humility, arrogant people who believed that they knew things that they didn't know, who treated people with disrespect, who had, you know, this sense of being better than others and so forth. Those were the people that Jesus struggled with during his time on earth. So again, as I've reflected on humility, I've come to believe that it is the nucleus 
of all of the spiritual fruits. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul talks about, you know, as the Holy Spirit is working within us, conforming us to the image of Christ and reforming our character, that there are spiritual fruits that are being produced within our lives. And he named a number of them, right? So there's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And at the center of each of those fruits is humility. You can't love without humility. You can't really experience joy without humility. Joy, you know, is not happiness. It's this deep sense of well-being regardless of the circumstances. Well, the only way in bad circumstances you can have this sense of well-being is recognizing that God is superior. And so even though it's not the situation you'd want to be in, there's a humility that, God, you are in control. Each of these gifts, when you look at them at the center, at the nucleus of them, is humility. Because I understand that I am worthy of being loved. I am worthy of kindness. I am worthy of patience. Then humility says that everyone else is as well. Everyone is worthy of those same things. As some of you know, I'm kind of a student of leadership. I've been studying leadership for decades now. And one of the seminal books on leadership, I believe, is a book by Jim Collins uh, called Good to Great. And in this book, Collins was looking at what was it about companies that were once, you know, good companies, but then went to this next level to become great companies. And he had a team of researchers working for him. And I love at the beginning of the book how he says, you know, I, sent, I brought them together and I said, I don't want you coming back and telling me that what was behind all of this was leadership, okay? I want you to go deeper than that. And so they did all this research and they came back and they said, it's, it's leadership. It's leadership. And so in this book, he's unpacking this idea, and, um, and Collins identifies five levels of leadership, level five being the highest level of leadership. And a level five leader of a great company, according to the research they did, had all of the qualities of a level four leader, but then had these last two qualities personal humility and professional will, personal humility, that leaders of truly great companies possess a personal humility. The way I would describe it here at Hope Church and have described it here at Hope Church is we are passionately devoted to the kingdom of God. We take the kingdom of God very seriously, but we don't take ourselves very seriously at all. So authentic humility, let me tell you one thing that it is not. Authentic humility is not about undervaluing what you bring. 
oh, I don't have any gifts. Oh, I don't have much to offer. Oh, you know, there, everybody could do this better than me and so forth. That's not humility. Humility is a recognition that God has gifted you, that God has given you talents and ability, and that you get to use them to bless others. And it's a recognition that others have gifts and abilities and talents as well, and you value them. I want to listen as, as we kind of come to the end of this message. I want you to listen to the Apostle Paul writing about this vital character uh, aspect called humility. Paul wrote about this in his letter to the Philippians, the second chapter. Listen to what he said. Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. But instead, look out for the interests of others. It is, uh, be humble. Be humble. Seeing others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but look out for the interests of others. Take an interest in them too. You must, you must have the same attitude, the same character that Christ Jesus had. And then he goes on and he talks about the character of Jesus. And he said, being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, to grasp on to, but made himself nothing. He took on human form. It's incomprehensible what he gave up in order to come to earth. And didn't just come as a human being, he came as a servant, washing feet. And then ultimately, he became a sacrifice, dying on a cross for us, for you, and for me. That's the depth of the humility of Jesus. Why? Because he believed that you are worth it. Your life, your salvation matters to him. You know, I thought about my own prayer life with regard to this. And I recognized, you know, that I often pray for God's wisdom. I often pray for God's guidance. I pray for God's direction, for God's blessing. I don't know that I have ever, and if I have, it's very rare, that I have prayed that God would be working humility in my character. And just asking God to do that within me. You know, at the end of that part of Philippians chapter 2, when Jesus gave his life on a cross, Paul said, and because he did all of that, 
God raised him up and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. He did great things, life-changing things, history-changing things through this humble servant. As you ask God, as I ask God to conform my character after Christ and to build humility in me, know that as he does that, he can do spectacular things 